Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dr. Mark Mincola, and we're going to be talking about his new book, The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Superconsciousness. The Way of Miracles is an adventure for the mind and spirit that begins with the premise that miracles don't randomly happen. We create them. According to Dr. Mark Mincola, developing our superconscious mind and recognizing the divine source that exists within each of us is what generates miracles. A holistic physician for more than three decades, in The Way of Miracles, he shares his experiences, documented research, and exercises that he provides his patients and uses himself to raise consciousness in order to cultivate the ability to heal and create miracles that have lasting effect. Dr. Mark Mincola is a legendary natural health care practitioner who has transformed the lives of many thousands of people over the past 37 years. Mark has integrated ancient Chinese energy techniques with cutting-edge nutritional science in what has become his innovative electric Electromagnetic Muscle Testing System, EMT. For more information about Mark and and his services, you can visit his website, which is markmincola.com, and that's M-A-R-K-M-I-N-C-O-L-L-A.com. And for more information about the book, The Way of Miracles, and the film, you can visit www.thewayofmiracles.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Mark to the show. Good day, sir. Robert, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. It is my pleasure. And um, I look back, and we had our last conversation was January in 2016 <laughs> about the whole health diet. So it has been a, a good, good five and a half years since we spoke. That's incredible. Time flies. It does. And, and reading your book now, I see there is a lot <laughs> that transpired in that five years. So. Um, boy, um, let's let's start when, with the idea of miracles. So I'm sure that each person has their own idea of what miracles are. So would you mind sharing with the listeners what your view of miracles? Sure. Well, the first first thing I'd say is that there are four there are four possibilities when it comes to the term miracles. Number one, reject. Number two, accept. Number three, expect. Number four, create. So the whole key here is to take us down this, this evolutionary path where we elevate our consciousness and we strengthen our, our deeper inner awareness and we put ourselves in, in a greater position with our higher frequency, our higher energy, higher vibration, our higher consciousness to create miracles. So I think miracles are we tend to think of miracles from the perspective of the mundane world, the material world. The material world is not a very miraculous place. The material world is a very, it's a very confused, it's a very 
a driven place. The material world that we've we've all been raised in is a place that doesn't have a natural instinct for miracles. Miracles don't happen here. Survival happens here. So I think that when you think about miracles, you think about exceptional deviations from what we consider the norm here, the material world that we live in. So I think the deviations include things like recoveries from terminal illness. People have brain tumors that clear up things like that. There's a lot of spontaneous remissions. There's a lot of people that go through healing miracles. A lot of people that have miracle things happen in life, like a life, a life that is saved against odds. You know, in other words, somebody who just, there's no way that a certain person who has a skiing accident, the way they hit the tree when they were skiing down the hill, no way they're going to survive. Somehow they did survive. People in a car accident, people in, in terrible scenarios where they, they were imprisoned overseas or something like that, and they, and they somehow were miraculously set free to live life free, free again. And I think that there's so many different windows and possibilities. But what it boils down to, to me, I, I believe that it's, if we're operating at a higher level of consciousness, if we're operating, living our lives through a higher frequency, a higher domain of, of vibration, um, I think we put ourselves in a place where miracles exist. Mir- miracles exist in a place of higher plane. They, they don't exist, as I said a few minutes ago, they don't exist on the material plane. They exist in the spiritual plane. They exist in higher planes. So it's not so much about it's not, not so much a matter about living here where all the lower frequencies are and all the pain and suffering are, all the confusion is and trying to make a miracle happen here. I think you need to go to a higher realm of consciousness where miracles are. And I think you need to create the energy that, that consolidates the experience of a miracle and bring it back into this world with you. So I think you can channel the miracles and in the make in the in the making process. In the process of creating a miracle, you you channel them and you direct them to this this mundane place of great suffering. And I think that we we, we have the ability to go to meditation, deep Deep contemplation, prayer, trance, trance, trance—the trancing that we can engage in—is can be very deep spiritual delta brain waves to trances. Again, we can connect with miracles and create them, formulate them, and, and bring them into this world, bring them into this this, this field, if you will. That's that's my thought about miracles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know the the idea of the origin being in the, the ethos, you know then brought in, um, you know, I think that's where, you know, I mean, the, the, once it's in the physical plane, that's when um, others around would, you know, um, you know, recognize it as being a miracle, you know, and, and rather, you know, as, as one brings it in, you know, that you, you know, like you said, they kind of have to have that um, acceptance of it. And well, we're going to talk about creating them in a little bit. But one of the things that um, I thought was just um, very interesting is you begin your book when you when you talk about your um, particular unexpected miracle. Um, would you mind sharing that story? Because I think that that it's um, you know when I mentioned that you had a lot going on over the last five years, you know that happening during that time period that I thought was just, um, it, it would give the, the listeners an idea of what happened and, and then how you also came back from that. Sure, sure. So Christina Priscilla Bresson is a film producer from New York City, brilliant film producer, does beautiful work. So I met with her, and we put the outline together and started 
drawing and math together for our film. We wanted we wanted to make a film that changed the world, as, as it were. And I wanted to write a book that, that accompanied the film. So the, the the title of the book and the title of the film are both The Way of Miracles. Now that's exactly what we set out to do. But for a period of about three or four years, we worked incessantly trying to put the map together for the film. And the goal was to take patients that I've worked with over the years who were previously terminally ill and who were advanced in their illnesses and to actually bring them through to a point of recovery. And some of them were so 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 ill, so profoundly ill, so terminally ill, so so advanced in their sickness that the chance for healing them in, in the world's estimate were better less than zero, you know, it's impossible to heal these people. They're 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 too far gone. This is what the film is about. So in the middle of the film, we're making making movies making a movie rather about these great stories patients that went through horrible illnesses. And in the middle of it I was bitten by a lime pick. A lot of people don't understand the, the the gravity of Lyme disease. It's a very serious, serious condition, very serious condition. So long story short, again, what I did is I, I was bit by the Lyme tick. I started feeling neurological symptoms. I started feeling horrible pain in my joints, crippling pain. I, I couldn't walk. I got to the point where my walking got more compromised. My balance was compromised. I couldn't think. I couldn't talk. I was getting sicker and sicker. But I had a blood test done. They found the type of Lyme disease that I had is called neuroborrelia. So it's a neurological crippling Lyme disease. It's, it cripples the nervous system. It's a bacteria, it's a spirochete bacteria that actually shuts down the balance, the balance vectors in the brain, communication vectors in the brain, produces inflammation in the brain. It's a horrible thing. It's absolutely horrible. So long story short, again, I, I, was, I wasn't able to walk. And my walking got worse and worse and worse. And finally one night, I went into the bathroom before. I went to bed, brush my teeth, and get ready for bed. And I fell on the tile floor in the bathroom, hit my head on the tile floor. And I wasn't able to walk. I wasn't able to move anything. I couldn't move a finger, couldn't move a toe, couldn't move any part of my body. And I'd knocked over a bunch of cleaning compounds, cleaning chemicals. These cleaning agents were spilling off into my, in my I'm breathing them up my nose, breathing them in my, in my mouth. I, I couldn't, couldn't move my head enough to get out of the way. So I'm breathing in and drinking out these, these noxious chemical compounds. And I was pretty sick, so, so to speak. I, I couldn't move. I was really desperate. And I'd been there. I was there for a total of 14 and a half hours before, before I was rescued. But during the time that I was on the floor, I actually asked myself, am I paralyzed for life? I've been getting progressively worse. I could be paralyzed for life. How, do I want to live? How do I feel about that? Do, do I have the, the desire to live if I, if I don't have a physical form? All I have is a mouth and a brain and nothing else. Do I, do, I, do I want to live? Do I want to go through that process of life under, under those circumstances? I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. I couldn't answer myself because I was desperate. Living in a dark place at that time. So again, I, I out of the blue, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, I started screaming for help. I started screaming for help as loud as I could. Help, 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 help. Somebody please come help me. And what that did, that, that taught me that I wanted to live. That taught me that I cared to live. That taught me that I was interested in rescuing myself and moving on with life and whatever capacity I was I was left, left with at that time. So I was determined to, to live. And uh, on those last two moments on the floor, I decided that whether I was going to tour the world in a wheelchair or whatever, I was going to write my. I was going to write the book. I was going to write the, finish the movie. I was going to present the book and the movie to the world. 
with or without legs, with or without balance, with or without without a body from my neck down. So I just began changing my, my, my whole nomenclature. I began changing my whole frequency energetically, intellectually, consciousness-wise. And I was prepared to do what I had to do to, 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 to do what I came to the world to do. I just realized spiritually that I came to this world to do something. I came to this world to present healing information. You know, in other words, I've said, so many people I've healed over the years and, and had remarkable success with. The world needs to know about it. So my commitment is to come to this world and to teach the world what it needs to know about healing. And nothing is going to stop me. The mission is the most important thing, not the conditions. So it was one of those classic cases where I, I realized it was about decisions, not about conditions. I made the decision to, to move forward, to go ahead with whatever capacity I function at. And uh, I went to rehab, went to a hospital for four days. Four days in the hospital, and I think I was going to rehab a week. And I was told by the by the, the folks at rehab, the nurses and the doctors and the uh, PTs that were in rehab, told me that I'd probably never walk again. So I signed up for, for class. They had walking classes. I, I, they recommend one class a day, three days a week. I do two classes a day, seven days a week. Seven days of two classes a day. They got saying, you got to go take a rest here. You're working too hard. I said, get out of my get out of my way. So I did what I could. And I learned how to walk with walkers and all that stuff, and, and went through all the different procedures necessary for PT. And, and they wanted me to stay another weekend. So I'm leaving today. So I, I was there one week. They wanted me two. I, I'm not going to stay two weeks. And I basically started pulling myself together with natural medicine. Just nutrition, nutrition diet plan. So I put a strict diet together for myself, followed it strictly, did, did a great job on the diet. I took supplements, and I took really powerful herbal supplements. They were very, very much indicated for Lyme disease. And I, I got better. And now, long story again, shorter than ever, is that I'm, I'm perfectly well right now. I'm 100% fine. I'm, I'm back to work. I'm back to writing, making movies, and doing all the things that I do to heal people. I'm 100% yeah. recovered, and the miracle has happened. There you go. Yeah, that, that's um, that, that's a lot. You know, to, and, and one of the things, as I was reading about um, that part um, of your book, um, a couple of things, several, several things popped out um, regarding the idea of brokenness, and I, I want to kind of, you know, talk, get your comments on them because I think the listeners might find it interesting. And one of them was that, first of all, that suffering is an inseparable part of a greater whole, which includes healing and rebirth. So can you talk about that idea of the um, just the, the nature of, uh, of suffering in relation to the whole? I always think of the Tai Chi circle. Some people refer to it as the yin-yang sign. There's a, there's a Tai Chi circle. There's a, there's a dark circle with a light in the middle, and there's a light circle with a dark quadrant in the middle. So there's, it's the yin-yang sign that has a dark and a light, 50-50. So it's mutual compatibility of opposition. That's what that represents. The mutual compatibility of opposition. Think about that. The mutual compatibility of opposition is something that this culture doesn't know anything about. So the beauty of that is the wholeness which is the most powerful thing you can attain. So there's nothing more powerful, nothing more important, nothing more sacred than wholeness. Wholeness is everything. That's the goal. 
the yin and the yang, the good and the bad, the dark and the light, the happy and the sad. And to understand that that makes a whole. That's what a whole is. And I think we tend to we tend to get dissuaded into the notion of clinging to the light side of the Tai Chi circle and not not putting our not not putting our energy into the dark side of the Tai Chi circle. Always in the light side, light side, light side. You're living in a half circle. You're living in a semi-circle. You're not living in a whole. And the key is to make mm-hmm. sure that you understand and appreciate the beauty of the wholeness that is dark and light, that is, that is pain and suffering, that is joy with pain and suffering. So you, you can't separate. Every, separation is an illusion anyway. I, was, I prefer separation as the, the grand illusion. Everything is integrated. Everything is yeah. correlated. Everything is one. There's, there's only oneness. And I think... We, We'll see, we'll see that when we cross over in our, in our, at the end of our time. I think we, when we, we each get to the end of our moments and cross over into the next realm, we'll, we'll feel the wholeness. We'll see the wholeness. We'll see the unification of everything. And anything beyond unification is maladapted. It's untrue. It's distorted. And it's it's crazy. It doesn't 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 hold water. Yeah. Now, one of the things I think that um, people who our experience a period of breaking or, you know, some particular aspect that is, um, that they feel um, needs healing. Um, that the, the fact that it, some people feel that maybe it's like the beginning of the end, you know, sometimes, you know, there's, there's that feeling of it's leading, you know, that it, that it is starting a process of the end. So, um, I, you know, keeping in mind that, that yin-yang kind of um, idea, um, how, how can one who shift the idea that, you know, that the, quote, brokenness um, is um, very important and, and needs, um, I guess, it's, it's sacred place? Well, for starters, beginning and end. There is no time. Time is an illusion. Space is an illusion. I think that the, the objective is to understand that there's only now, and now continues to repeat itself over and over and over and over. So now is, in a, now is on a loop. Now is in a continuous loop. And to live in conscious flow with the loop of nowness is a is a puts us in this consciousness, this zone of awareness, this consciousness, this place of this isness that understands nothing that doesn't fit into the now of life. Now 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 holds on to everything. Now now presents everything. I would say that that when we when we think about our, our presence in, in the universe, the most important thing to realize is that we're not what we think we are. We think we're we think we're a, we think we're a material being. We're not a material being. In fact, matter is the greatest illusion of all. Yeah, Heisenberg won the Nobel Prize in 1937, and the Nobel Prize in 1937 was given towards him for telling us that energy is 99. Everything is everything in the universe is 99.9 percent, 99.999 percent energy, and zero zero. 0.001% matter. So we learned right away from, from his brilliant work, 1937, that energy is what everything is comprised of. It has nothing to do with the, prop, the properties of matter. I mean, matter is barely 
an issue of any kind at all. I mean, I think that it's important we understand that we are, we are, we're, we're, we're more when we're less. I would say when I'm less, there's less in the way of my being more. When, there, when I'm nothing, there's nothing in the way of my being everything. Okay. So um, now recognizing you know, that essence of uh, the energy is being the essence of this experience, uh, how, how does that um, – how can one use that knowledge to make the physical existence, which of which we are, I mean, if we weren't in this particular time, space continuum kind of thing, you know, the experience, then we wouldn't be here experiencing it. So what, taking that holistic, that, that, uh, and I, I guess that would be, would that be the super consciousness aspect? I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm more inclined to, to, to conceptualize, um, to conceptualize the fact that we're not here. I mean, look at it like this. Okay. In the, in the, okay. the quantum mechanics, in the quantum mechanics perspective, from the quantum mechanics perspective, if a tree falls in the woods, and if a tree falls in the woods, does it happen? Is the question. Does it happen? And in quantum mechanics, they say that if you weren't there to see it, it didn't happen. So, you, so reality requires an observer. So I think that we have to determine we have to determine whether we're the observer of our own life experience. What determines uh, what, what determines whether we're observers? Consciousness. So if I if I approach my life from the perspective of super consciousness, and I'm observing myself from my source. Not from my ego, not from my material, not from the illusion of my material self. If I'm observing life from the reality of my super consciousness, then as an observer, then everything I encounter that I observe is real. Anything beyond that isn't. Hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just trying to, um, you know. I, take it from concept to, you know, implementation, you know, just, you know, you know, why would, you know, what is the benefit of having that awareness? I don't think we have awareness. I think we are awareness. Okay. Um, can you explain that a little bit more? I'm 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 not quite there yet. We are awareness. In other words, when you think about consciousness, if somebody gets hit by a car on the highway and and they're fading and they're they're drifting, their brain is losing its its connection to the to the body. The medical people would say he's losing consciousness, and I think that's representative of the Western perception can observe consciousness beyond the action of right. the present. So we don't have consciousness. You can't say he's losing consciousness because he never had it. He is consciousness. You can't lose what you are. You, energy can either be either created or destroyed, only transmuted. So I think transmutation is what happens with, 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 with 
isness with, with self, with consciousness, with energy. I think that we're we're pure energy, and we're transmuting all the time. And we never stop transmuting. We, we you know, beyond the material plane, we continue to transmute. Um, you know, so I mean, like as I get older, I'm going to realize that I'm I'm going to move on to the great beyond and keep transmuting over and over. I'm not, and that never stops. So now repeats itself in, a, in, in an infinite myriad of planes. So now repeats itself in an infinite myriad of planes of existence that I actually transmute myself, transmute my consciousness, my energy through ad infinitum, eternally. It's exciting. It's fun. What, okay, so now recognizing that as the consciousness in your book, you talk about super consciousness. So, what is that in relation to? Oh, well, we have, we have our, con- I guess, conscious experience. The, the conscious mind can can produce two thousand bits of information per second. The mm-hmm. unconscious mind, subconscious mind, and the subconscious, and the unconscious are pretty much the same thing. The subconscious is the the part of us that regulates memory, and the unconscious is the part that doesn't regulate memory. And the superconscious, and the sub, subconscious actually produces 400 billion bits of information per second. 400 billion bits of information per second is incredible. Think about that. It's unbelievable. The superconscious is, it is, it is the, the energy that's produced in total. So it's, 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 it's the concept that there's this massive energy, this pure consciousness. And you can look at your, your pure consciousness in context of the universe of pure consciousness. You can call it God consciousness, God mind, divine mind, divine consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But when you when you merge your consciousness with the divine universal consciousness, when you do that with an awareness that you're doing it, you're producing super consciousness. Okay. That's as elevated wow. as our, our, our awareness can go. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're we're about halfway through the show, Mark. I want to take just a quick break um, and continue our discussion uh, when we come back. Okay, so everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, ByteRadio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and tune in. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. 
Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dr. Mark Mikola. We're talking about his new book, The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Superconsciousness. Again, you can find out more about Mark and what he has to offer by visiting his website, www.markmincola.com. And you can also find out more about the book and film um, at www.thewayofmiracles.com. Okay, with that, we're back. Mark? Thank you. Okay. Um, so now... Um, in the introduction, I said where I was talking about developing our superconscious mind. Um, since the superconscious is this um, collection, just like kind of the, the overall sum of, you know, is 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 it we are what we're developing our ability to um, think with that perspective? I mean, we don't develop the super consciousness, right? We, we develop maybe the ability to connect to or the ability to, to perceive or to, you know, I'm, you know, we talked about awareness, but, but can you talk a little bit about um, how we strengthen that, that view? We cultivate an awareness co-joined with, a, with an integral universal connection. So we cultivate an awareness that, that, that nothing is separate. Everything is, everything is conjoined. Everything is conjoined, rather. So we develop relationship that's different with ourselves and a relationship that's different with the universe. We, we we flow into this awareness that we are we are the universe. You know, I always tell tell patients, tell people that I speak with, you're not living. You know, the universe isn't like a place. The universe isn't like the, the galaxy. It's not like a it's not like the solar system. It's not like a planet. It's not like a bunch of stars. The, the universe isn't isn't a place. The universe is you and I. We are the universe. And the, and the property, the the the, the, uh, the currency, I like to say, the currency of the universe is consciousness. So we are the universe. We are the we are the currency of the universe because we have consciousness. Consciousness is what we are. We, we don't have it. We are we are consciousness. So we are the currency of the universe. And the objective is to to move from a lack of awareness to that into an active participation with it. So we're not we're not just discussing things philosophically. We're actually taking steps, progressive steps. We're, we're evolving, evolutionary. We're evolving to a higher level of awareness to become embedded with with the universal consciousness. Our consciousness is representative of the universe, and then there's a blending that naturally takes place. And when we when we attain to that level of awareness, we be, we become immersed in the ocean of consciousness that is the in the, in the universe. Yeah, yeah, you know the um, the idea of 
um, acting in concert with that that awareness. And to me, that's the um, you know when I'm, I'm thinking about trying not when I think about uh, living that that expression um, that it's you know the idea is, is to take that awareness and do do things that, that basically support it. And I guess, you know, what I'm, I'm trying to to get at is the, you know, the, we, we have the awareness and, and, and part of your book you talk about, you know, taking action, the importance of taking action. You know, when it comes to creating miracles, you know, you, you can go ahead and have that space in the ethers and the divine and, and the acceptance and uh, maybe even in the expectation. Um, but it also... Um, there's there's an active part to the equation. Am I correct? Yeah, well, I think action is representative of flow. Action is representative of evolution, going from point A to point B. Action is representative Mm -hmm. of, of energy. Energy is in a constant state of flux. So if energy is in a constant state of flux, then, then energy is action. Action is, is, is the, the universe is active. It's not passive. The universe is always evolving. It's always changing. It's always growing. And again, it can't be created. It can't be destroyed. It just continuously flows and, and moves in and out of flux. So action, to me, it's a metaphor. Action is a metaphor for evolution. Hmm. Okay, I can see that. Uh, so now let's let's talk about the the, the book um, in in the movie, but the the way of miracles. Um, can can you um, explain to listeners, you know, what what they can expect in the book? What you know, you, um, talk, you know obviously we you talk about your your unexpected miracle, but um, tell us about. You know, I guess what you hope that the readers are going to be able to to gain from the book. Well, first of all, the world that we're living in is a place of great suffering. Always has been. It's it's perhaps evolving in that respect. It's, it's taking on more suffering, more more pain, more difficulty, more stress than it ever has. And I think it's a perfect timing to excite people about who they really are. To confront them about contending with their identity crisis. The first, the first rung of the ladder, the, 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 the palace of pain, is identity. We think we're human beings that are purely material, purely physical, pure, purely material, purely Purely vulnerable. I think we, we we don't we don't know who we are. We, we we struggle with who we are. We struggle mightily with that. We don't. We're not. We're not raised to tap into our authenticity. We're not raised to tap into our core source. We're not raised to think that, that we have God energy from within us. God is other. Everything everything that's of value is other. It's not self. When you're first born as a wounded, as a wounded, vulnerable child, these people called parents feed us, raise us, 
they, 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 we depend upon them to keep us warm and safe. So other, be, other becomes worship right from the very beginning. Other is, is bigger than self. Self has no, no intrinsic value. It's, it's the, the, the value of other is, is minimized, it's diminished, it's, it's compartmentalized at the very, at the very most. And it's, it's, it's abused, it's abandoned, it's, there's a lot of focus on other, 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 other. You know, you first fall in love the first time you're a young teenager and other takes over the, the, the possessiveness of self, you know, the possession of self. You know, you're not possessed with self, you're possessed with other. You're drawn to other. Your, your value is defined by other. It's your teachers that give you grades, it's your coaches that patch on the head, it's, it's other. It's always other, 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 other. So by the time we wake up at 35, 45, 55 years old, we don't have a true sense of our identity because we've been we've been programmed and raised mm-hmm. to, to distort our perception of self. So our identity crisis is deeply rooted by our formative years, and I think that that begins the process of superconsciousness. That begins the process of miracle making. There's a miracle you. There's a, there's, you are a miracle, and you're 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 the miracle that makes miracles. But not in your confused identity problem, not in your identity problem, problematic self. Only in the self that is authentic. So everything's dualistic. You know, like again, Taoism teaches us that the, that the Tao is the only singularity. The Tao is like God the Father. That's singular. That's that's the one. But beyond that, everything's a dualistic proposition. So our duality is all about the idea of being partly flawed and partly divine. And mm-hmm. until we understand that, until we, until we embrace that, not, not just understand it, not accept it, embrace it, love it, unconditionally immerse ourselves in it, and I think conjugate with it. I think once we do that, then we're in a position to, to understand that mir- we are miracle makers that can make miracles, but not until then. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the... Uh, areas that you cover in the book um, for is, is the idea of expectation. Um, you know, your, your particular story was the unexpected um, miracle. Um, but can you, you know, can, it seems to me that, that um, expectation can, um, is, is expectation always a, a, a good force? Or I mean, I don't hear I'm putting value on it, but I mean, can you tell us about, uh, the importance of expectation and how um, sometimes what we expect, you know, or we hope for uh, doesn't occur. You know, I mean, there's, I guess, um, unsatisfied expectation, I guess is the way I'd put it. So can you talk a little bit about how expectation fits into this wholeness aspect? Well, well, we, we, we can actually materialize through manifest. So we have the we have the power to manifest material materialization, to make things to make things happen, to make things to make things come into into existence. And when we manifest through expectancy, the the research the fabulous research on it proven that that with expectancy. You begin the process of actually materialization. You create material, you change the atomic structure of things. 
you change the, the the atomic structure of a given field to expectancy. So expectancy makes material properties come come to being. So expectancy is the beginning of miracle making. When you like I said, there's four four components: rejecting miracles, accepting miracles, and creating miracles. The expecting miracles where the where the that's where the process begins to to, to move from to move from incomplete to complete. So expectancy is is the key. Expectancy starts the process of moving us into creativity. Expectancy is the initiation of creation. So do we, do we um, through that? Well, when it comes to expectation, to me, it seems that there is uh, in in the, the kind of the root of the and in the root of the feeling that there is. Um, a knowing that what what one, for lack of a word, visualizes is going to be manifested. So, I mean, to me, it seems like there's a, um, the the basis for you know why would some expectations come to be and why some would not. I think we're creators, and I think as creators, as divine creators, we are divine creators. Like I said, it begins with the identity crisis. Number one, number one, identity crisis. You're divine. Let's start there. You're divine. You're not just a slump. You're divine. You are God, in my opinion. That's just what I believe. I believe you know half of us is God, and half of us is, is so so flaw that it, that it continues to put the tension on us to, to, to maintain our, our divine nature. So it's a perfect system. It's a perfect tension. Because if, I, if I'm part God and part flawed, and I'm in my flawed self, I feel enough pain and misery that I, that I motivate myself to, to, to clear a, a better, a more direct path in my divine nature and, and live in that place more often, more, more of the time. I, I want to, that's where it's, that feels better there, you know. I think it begins with, with the understanding that we have the, the, the flaw that we have, the number one flaw that we have, is identity crisis. Number one, you're, you're divine. Let's get that out of the way. Number one, you're divine. Number two, because you're divine, you can, you're a creator. And as a creator with the, with divine, with the divine nature, you can actually make miracles happen. You can make, and again, only the divine can make miracles. But here's, here, here's the good news. You are divine. So, you know, it might sound like the bad news. The average person grows up in this <laughs> culture. They're thinking God is a separate thing. God is, God, like God is part of other, you know. I could talk about other a minute ago. Other is worshipped. Self is, is is rejected, you know. Other is worshipped. Self is rejected. God is other. God is not self. Couldn't be. I'm just such a loser. I couldn't have God in me. No way. So I think the, the identity crisis wakes us up to the fact that you have part of yourself forgiving the other part of yourself unconditionally, and that's pure love. That's what pure love is. Pure love is unconditional acceptance and forgiveness. That's what we have. We have the divine self this ability to to project pure love to the part of us that needs it the most, and that's what makes our wholeness. Like I said a little while ago, there's our wholeness. So when we're whole like that, we're creators. We have a divine capacity to create as only God can. The good news is we're God, so we can create miracles. Yeah. So now, uh, when it comes time to um, 
create well you know we've gone through now with with reject you know we had that reject accept um expect and create as far as um the kind of relationship with um miracles um for those who reject um is there um um a does there have to do the does there have to be a a recognition in a, a divine component or you know or a higher power or god or you know that is that a necessary component for um moving from rejection to acceptance of the idea of miracles well first of all it's necessary that we have imperfections it's necessary that we have some people that are they reject miracles so they're they're it's just as important that people reject miracles as people create miracles. They're both part of the same Tai Chi circle. They're part, part of the whole, as I keep saying. So those people who are inclined to reject that notion, they're kind of negative about, oh, miracles can't happen to me. They can happen to Mother Teresa, perhaps. But I don't even believe Mother Teresa is right. full of crap, you know, whatever. So I think that can occupy that, that space. But I think that Everything, like you said a little while ago, everything is in forward motion. It's, it, it's always evolving. I mean, you look at your own life. Look at yourself. Everybody looks at this the past five years. How much have you changed in the last five years? I mean, how much have you changed consciousness-wise, spiritually? I mean, incredible. Everything you talk to has changed radically, radically. Because mm-hmm. energy is in the constant state of flux, like you said. So everything's moving forward. It's always, always evolving. It's, always, it's, it's flowing. And you know, there's no choice but to grow. Is growth, growth isn't a choice. It's not like you get to vote on that. Do I, do I, do I have to grow? Sorry. I hate to bump me up. You, you, you are growth. You are growth. You're, you're in a constant state of movement. And you, even, you know, it's like I was, the joke I would say, life in the universe is like you're on an escalator. Even if you fall down, you're still going forward. <laughs> okay. That, that's a good visual to, to recognize how it would, how it would work. Okay. Okay. So now um, let's talk a little bit about your movie, um, The Way of Miracles. So you had mentioned in the beginning of the show that you know you were in the process of of gathering the information and, and production. Um, so tell us about the movie. Well, there's six patients in the film that we actually tell they tell their story. One woman in particular is 37 years old. She had a brain tumor size of a golf ball in her prefrontal core, prefrontal lobe. And she was having horrible migraine headaches, super painful, inflammatory migraine headaches. And um, so she went for brain surgery. They cut open her skull, pulled the tumor out, and then five months later, the tumor grew back. So the tumor, she had a decision to make. Do you want to go for more surgery? And then she kept saying to herself, can this happen again? And the doctor said, yeah, it could, could, it could, it could, over and over and over and over. So I, she could be going through repeated brain surgery. She said, you know what, when you go through brain surgery once, it takes so much out of you. That I, she said, I can't explain. I can't put into words how much it takes out of you, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy out of you. It drains the life out of you. She said, I couldn't go through that again. So I had to find something else. So a friend of hers recommended that she come see me. And I did some energy testing on her, and I put on a complete comprehensive anti-inflammatory program, got her off wheat, dairy, and all that stuff, sugar, and all that. Put on a strict, strict 
clean clean eating program. Trying some supplements as well, anti-inflammatory supplements. And lo and behold, six months, the tumor the tumor is vanished, gone, totally gone. So the tumor has been been vanquished for nine years. She's been tumor free for nine years. So she tells the story, and there, there are great stories like that. There's another story about a about a woman who. Um, who was told that she could never have children. Young, 30-year-old woman. She and her husband wanted more than anything in the world to have a family. They, they, that's all they cared about in life. We, we want children. We want to love our children. We want to have a beautiful family. There's nothing more important in, in life than having a beautiful family. So they went to a number of different physicians, and they went to some fertility doctors and fertility, fertility clinic up in Boston. They were told that... Um, they just weren't able to harvest the eggs. They put on fertility drugs and all that stuff. They were only able to harvest like six eggs, of which four were capable of being fertile. And she worked with me for five weeks. And in five weeks, they were doing a nutrition plan that we were on. Supplements. She had 17 eggs, 14 of which were fertile. So she had a tremendous excitement from, from the news that she got. And long story short, again, she's had not one, not two. She's had three children now, three children. She was told wow. by the medical people, by the fertility experts, that she never have, she never have any uh, children. There's no way she'd ever have children. Just go home, make your peace. Children are not going to be in your world. Sorry to, sorry to disappoint you. You just got to get over it. She's got three kids now. Great, great hmm. stories. They're amazing stories. And they tell them, they tell them beautifully. And they, we, we not only pick great stories, we pick great storytellers. The film is loaded with great stories about miracles and great storytellers. These are real people documented, and it's 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 very uplifting when you when you watch this film and consider what what the world's really like, not what you think it is. Again, the identity crisis is, it goes beyond us. We, we have an identity crisis in the world we live in, in the universe we're part of, the, the, where we we are, the universe that we are. I should say. So it's beautiful. It's it's exciting. It's uplifting. It's powerful and powerful information. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, yeah, you know, and I think it's, you know, important for people to hear those stories um, to maybe um, counter, you know, some of that um, other programming, you know, that we've been, um, you know, that's kind of guided our lives maybe up to this point. Um, but to because I think that's that's that would be that crack in the wall or, you know, they're cracking the ceiling, whatever, you know, to be able to let some light start to shine through as to, you know, what is beyond. Absolutely right. No question about it. Yeah. Well, um, do you have any, maybe any words, the final words you might want to share with uh, with listeners, something maybe we didn't call or just our, our talk about or, or maybe just something that you think is uh, important for the listeners to know about? I want to tell everybody in the listening in the listening audience that it's important to acknowledge that you came here as consciousness to grow into your your conscious being doing this conscious beingness your conscious being of limitless potential Miracles are part of your world, part of your reality, part of you, part of what you are, part of what you're capable And the identity that you've been sold is not only a lie, it's a dangerous lie. 
it hurts, it brings suffering, it brings pain, it brings disease, and disease brings disease. And one of the most important factors I, I can suggest, I would like to suggest, is that people tap into their source. I say one of the most important things you can do, look, in the book I talk about an exercise, look in the mirror, go to, go to the nearest mirror, and look in the mirror, center of your eyes, for 10 minutes straight, and just feel the essence of your being. Just look in, just look in the mirror, in the center of your eyes for 10 minutes, and sense, perceive, and feel the presence of the essence of your being. Think about that, the presence of the essence of your being. It's a vibration. It's a subtlety. It's a, you can feel the ghost in the machine. You can feel the spirit within you. It's just very powerful. But to do that is, is to begin the process of correcting the illusion of self, to tap into the flow of energy in our essence, and to feel that flow, the, the purely life force flowing from within us, that, 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 that's life force that is us, the, light, the flow of life force that is us, it's our, it's our beingness. And to tap into that in a way that you can actually heal from your identity crisis and that you can actually occupy the now over and over and over again with the real you. Okay, wow, that, that's a great exercise for people to do right after they listen to the show. Um, well, I really want to thank you for your time today, Mark. I've, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I'm sure that your book is going to open the way for more miracle creation. So, I, and I, I, I think that's a wonderful um, creation, co-creation that you that you brought for, forward. So, thank you very much. Robert, you're a fine gentleman, and you do a beautiful job putting together a forum for people to love, to grow, to evolve, and to become more in tune with their, their true self. I salute you for your great work. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Dr. Mancola. We've been talking about his new book, The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Super Consciousness. Um, again, it is a book and film. So you can visit uh, www.thewayofmiracles.com for more information about that. Um, but you can also visit Mark's website, um, which has more information about uh, his other services and, and products that, that he offers. And that is at www.markmincola.com. And that's M-A-R-K-M-I-N-C-O-L-L-A.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.